I have looked forward to this day and we're thankful to be here. If you have your Bibles and you have your lesson with you, the text there is on the top of your lesson. It's Philippians chapter number 3. And <clears throat> let's have a volunteer this week. Anybody want to volunteer to read this passage of Scripture? Philippians chapter 3, we need somebody to read verses 10 through 14. Who, who wants to deal with it? If you don't, I will. Brother, go ahead. By any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were made already perfect, were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and uh, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for that. Last week we began this study on a relationship with God. You know, if we're going to build our lives around the Lord, you have to start with a foundation. That foundation is a relationship with God. Now on the next slide, we covered these three points last week. We have to know His person first. We need to know Him, that I may know Him. You know, when I met my wife, Loretta, she was in the third grade in Sunday school. I started to get to know her. She had very bony fists. She had a scary father. You know, uh, I didn't want to mess with her. She was, you know, her dad taught her karate. I got to know a few things about her in the days of our youth. Now, I wouldn't get to know her if I wasn't interested in her. Okay, and you're not going to get to know anything about the Lord unless you're interested in the Lord. He is interested in you. But the Lord it has given us things to allow us to have that relationship with Him. Many people stop at this because they're not interested in knowing the Lord's person. Now, let me ask you this. What hinders someone's relationship with God for them getting to know His person? Sin? Anybody else? What hinders it? What are people naturally drawn to? Who are they in love with? Self. Very good. Self. Children. Come into this world. You do not have to teach them to be selfish. They are, naturally. If this church ever has a nursery with a bunch of young children again, and we hope that day comes, we will see all manner of evil inside the nursery because children are after themselves. And then they grow up and they become better sinners. Okay? We're naturally drawn to ourselves. What is the great enemy of marriage? Self. Selfishness. You know, pouring yourselves into someone else. Pouring yourselves into someone else who often doesn't see things the way you do. You know, we don't, we don't love our spouse based on their performance, or we shouldn't. Some people, their love is conditional. So if their wife has their worst day, I don't love you anymore. One word for that, negative. That's not the way God says to love people. God, you know, we should love even the unlovable. Did not Christ love us? when we didn't deserve it. So the challenge of our love is not when... Uh, I've been told not to say certain things, so I'm going to obey that. Uh, know His power. We talked about this last week. And the power of His resurrection. This is a powerful power. You know, something that's able to raise someone from the dead. We have the ability to know 
the Lord's power. It's a transforming work. We'll get into that some today. And then know His presence. We get to know the Lord in His presence in the fellowship of His sufferings. Some of you are suffering this week. You may be suffering with a health problem. This church is full of them. Every church is full of health problems. Do you know why the church is full of health problems? Because we have bodies that are heading back to the dust. God doesn't make these bodies to live forever. They decay. We're not as strong as we once were. Just this week, I visited a man in the University of Cincinnati Hospital. He was a church member of mine at the Grants Creek Baptist Church. His heart stopped on the table. His wife was upset with the nurses because she'd been telling them all day her husband was struggling to breathe, and finally his heart stopped. They came back in. They revived him. They broke his sternum. They drilled a hole in his neck and gave him a tracheotomy. He can't move. He can't talk. He's bedridden. He had a look of helplessness on his face. Now, whether it is or not that the Lord is going to take him on home, because trust me, where he's heading, he's going to a much better place than that bed. Okay? He has problems. His wife has problems. Some people have problems in their marriage. Some people have problems with children. We get to know who the Lord is through suffering. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through some manner of suffering. Sometimes to show us what's inside of us. And sometimes we see our lack of relationship with the Lord because of how we're responding to suffering. The Lord did not come to this earth to deliver us and make our lives a bed of roses. That's not the way it works. Life is full of problems. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Sound like he was going through a good time? (laughs) Sometimes we go through bad times. And so, this is the foundation of our relationship with the Lord. To know His person, to know His power, and to know His presence. Number two in your fill-in is going to be the formation of faith. The formation of faith. You know, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, the Lord desires faith. That means believing when you can't see ahead. It means believing even if it doesn't work out the way you want it to. That's faith. It's trusting in God when we don't see the answer. And so... The Bible says in Philippians 3, verses 11 and 12, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. When a relationship with God becomes an intricate part of our foundation, we begin to grow in our faith. The Lord, when we get saved, our faith needs to continue to grow. Some people stagnate, some people backslide, some people are not growing in their faith. There could be somebody even in here today who is saved by the grace of God, but your faith is not growing. Your faith in God is not growing. Perhaps your eyes are in the wrong place. Maybe you're not looking to the Lord. Maybe you're not having a relationship with God and walking with the Lord, and therefore your faith is stagnant. But the Bible says... That without faith it's impossible to please Him. It's just the beginning when we get saved. As our relationship deepens with the Lord, we know the Lord more intimately and our confidence in Him will grow. I heard a preacher once say that God's people had lost their confidence in God. You can hear it in their speech. They're afraid. They're filled with worry. You know, the Bible gives us the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is starts with love. Guys, the fruit of the Spirit is not anger. Did you deal with anger this week? 
The ladies, the, the fruit of the Spirit is not worry and fear and panic. Those things don't come from the Spirit. Therefore, if you are dealing with those things, you know that God didn't give you that. That is not a fruit of the Spirit. Some people judge their spirituality by how much they worry. That does not show you that you are spiritual. You know, some people judge their spirituality by how many posts they make on Facebook. You know, about prayer. I'm convinced that many people who are prayer warriors on Facebook are not prayer warriors in private. If you spend more time asking other people to pray about your problems than you pray yourself, you need to stop. Because no one can go to the Lord about your problems like you can. You can't pray about my wife like I can, because I know her. You can't pray about my children the way. I can't pray about your heart's problems, and I will bring you before the Lord. Samuel said that he wouldn't sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for God's people in the Old Testament. But listen, you've got to be able to pray to God yourself. Now, if you don't have any kind of prayer life at all, just go back through the archive for your last week since last Sunday. How much time have you spent with the Lord that could show you the formation of your faith has been hampered? Now, some of us, I mean all of us, get excited at the announcement of a newborn child. I've had five children. We actually had another one, and the Lord chose to take that child home. But, you know, some, sometimes when a child is brought into this world, people are very concerned with how much did the baby weigh? How long is the baby? Some women in my life seem to have an uncanny knack of knowing who the newborn child has characteristics of, the father or the mother. I've never known that. Not even with my own children. I couldn't say when they were first born, well, they look like me, or they look like her. I prayed my daughters look like my wife. But, you know, I couldn't see it. But the ladies, oh, look, they've got the nose. They've got, you know, it's, uh, it's just something that happens, you know, when a newborn is born. If that newborn doesn't grow in a period of months, as a father, as a mother, or as somebody who understands life, I'll say, well, there's something wrong with that child. If the child doesn't go through different stages, if the child just lays in a baby chair as a vegetable up through six months, it's not crawling, it's not wanting to move around, it's not able to roll over on its, on its, on its own, doesn't have a desire to eat, doesn't, doesn't ever get to that place where it's walking, you know, we know that there is a hampering or a hindering of that child's relationship the same thing goes for our spiritual lives. There are certain things we should look for by way of growth in our lives. Now, the Scripture says when we're born again, we become babes in Christ. But the Bible says often that people who should have grown up in the Lord have again become babes because they haven't gotten into the milk of the Word and advanced in their spiritual life. I am convinced that there are many who are not where they're supposed to be spiritually our faith has to develop. Salvation, being born again, of course, it's an exciting moment. But we shouldn't stay in that infant stage. Our faith must grow. The maturing of our faith takes place as we build upon this foundation of our relationship with Christ. And Paul details why this takes place. Your first fill-in under number two, the formation of faith, is letter A. The promise of resurrection. The promise of resurrection. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then in verses 5 and 6 says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath 
He hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now this word quickened means to be made alive. Understanding this truth ought to bring a hallelujah to our hearts. We used to be dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we're alive as unto Christ. That's a blessing. You know, far too many Christians, however, are still spiritual babes because they never developed that relationship with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Just this morning I was praying for my family. They're not in church with me today. They're in church up in the north. And I prayed for God to use the pastor of the church where they're attending to preach the Word of God and to use the Holy Spirit to warm their hearts, to convict them, to challenge them in their walk with the Lord. It's sad if we get to come to church and we don't feel that warming of our heart by the Holy Spirit. Preaching of the Word for a believer warms our heart. It brings convicting power. But there's this promise of the resurrection that Scripture says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. Experiencing Christ living through us demands a reckoning of our own lives to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. And this is where most Christians find themselves in a screeching halt with their Christian life. They don't, you know, God's not going to do this for you. Okay, when you get saved, you get saved for all your sins, past, present, and future. You get forgiven. But it's up to you as a Christian to render yourself to be dead to sin and alive to the Lord. You can still choose to do wrong. You know, look back in the Old Testament. David was a man after God's own heart, a saved man, committed murder and adultery. Wasn't lost, saved. What did he do? He chose that morning not to live for the Lord, to live for himself, to satisfy the needs of his own self. And so... In some people's lives, the habitual, uh, the habitual lifestyle of them kind of identifies that they are, in fact, lost. Many people who claim to be saved are, in fact, lost. They've never lived a life and reckoned themselves to be dead into sin. They've never received Christ for who He is. You know, uh, I believe that there's a way that the Lord ushers in the issue of salvation. And when someone gets saved, they should have a heart to receive the truth. You know, if that baby doesn't receive food, there's a problem. Christians desire the Word of God. Christians don't hate the Word of God. I meet some people claiming to be saved. They're on their way to heaven, but they hate preaching. How's that possible? How do you hate the thing that brought you into the faith that God uses to save people? How do you hate the church? How do you hate the organization, the assembly that the Lord died for? You didn't want me, God says. You didn't want my people. You didn't want my book. You didn't want my, my worship. And yet, there are some that say they're on their way to heaven. I think that there's, a, there's something that's uh, missing there. Romans 6.11 says this, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you have your Bible and you want to hold your place here in the book of Philippians, because we'll be turning back here, go back to that verse, Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. It starts with a question. What shall we say then? Romans 6 and verse 1 says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, should we sin just because grace is available to us? Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. 
And Paul answers the question, verse 2, God forbid that you have an attitude towards sin like this. Now, we read verse number 11 just a moment ago. Now, I want you to notice what the Scripture is saying to us as Christians. This is what the Bible says. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Who's reckoning? Ye. It's not the Lord. The Lord's not going to force you to be right with Him and to advance in your relationship with the Lord. That is a choice you have, and every day you've got to pick that up. If you chose this week not to, I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to live for the Lord. I'm not going to give this issue to the Lord. I'm going to solve this on my own. You know, that's not reckoning yourself to be dead to sin and alive to Christ. This is a Christian choice, and this can cause the stagnation of the formation of faith in our lives. So, you know, forming faith is going to be noticeable in us. People are going to see other people will see that we've walked with the Lord, that we have a love for the Lord. You know, uh, I, I saw somebody, and uh, I really didn't see them, but I saw how they were behaving themselves in social, on social media, and they were truly misbehaving, saying things that were just so foolish and un, uh, undiscerning, very hateful. You'll never win people to the Lord like that, and the lost world sees that if you're acting that way. You know, you know, there's some times where I, you know, I have determined in my life, there's plenty of problems that I have in the real world. Okay, I don't enter into arguments. God, you know, I just don't think you solve many arguments on Facebook. How many times have you? How many times have you won somebody? People think, think, you know, and a lot of times I often think, okay, why do I want to say something so bad? You know, whenever you have a lust to speak, maybe you should hold up a minute. Maybe you should think about it. A lot of people don't think before they post. But hey, what we say in real life matters a whole lot. When you say stuff on social media, you get all kinds of people that can be chirping on that. And, you know, I, I just, there are certain ways that I think about these things, but I know this that in our lives, when we live for the Lord, people are going to be able to see that man or that woman actually loves the Lord. The Bible says this in Colossians 3 and 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So if you're saved, if you're risen with Christ, if you're alive to Christ, seek those things which are above. What do we seek? The salvation of souls. We seek righteousness. We seek to live uprightly. We seek to have families that honor the Lord. These things are very important to us. And so not only do we see the promise of the resurrection, but we also see the promise of transformation, letter B, the promise of transformation. In Philippians chapter number 3, where the scripture says attained, to have attained, as used in this verse, means to come to, to have arrived. The Bible says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. Now, Paul is saying, I haven't arrived. This isn't Paul bragging about his status with Christ. Have you ever met someone who is like that? They get something right in their life and they want the whole world to know about it. And if you're not doing what I do, then you're not right with God. Stop. Hold up a minute. If you just got it right, maybe you should start practicing it for a little while before you start preaching that to other people. Some things you do for the Lord, it should remain in private. There should be parts of our lives that actually are private with the Lord. God gave that to me. 
in private. Have you spent time with the Lord? God wants to speak to you through His Word, through prayer, through music and worship. You know, He wants to speak to you. But there's this promise of transformation. You know, Paul wasn't bragging here. He recognized that he hadn't arrived and he was not perfect. You know, this may surprise you, but God's not going to work in the services today as a result of our perfection. You ever heard the Lord? somebody ask the Lord, Lord, bless this mess? You know, sometimes our life are awful, awful messy. God doesn't cause us to get everything in our life right before He begins to work in our life. And this may be a surprise to you. God could bring everything right in your heart, but still things have to be made right on the outside. It's a, it's a transforming process. I'm not today who I was 10 years ago. God's taught me a few things through life, through the challenges that He's brought my way. And so the process of transformation is a promise. This, this transformation doesn't happen all at once. It does take place over a course of a lifetime. And it is aspiring to be more and more like the image of Christ. We want to be more like Him. I, I'm still hungry for the Lord. I'm still thirsty for the Lord. There are certain things in my life I can't do. I have five children. They were easy to control when they were small. But oh, somewhere around 11, 12, and 13... They started developing a mind of their own. And then I couldn't control them anymore. And you know what I had to realize as a father? I can't solve all these problems, but God can. And so I, I need the Lord's help. And you know, God's not going to work on my time frame. Sometimes I want God, I want you to do it, and I want you to do it now. But God doesn't work that way. Therefore, He causes, he, he causes a thing to take place in our life that makes us trust Him. This is that transforming process where we trust the Lord even if everything isn't going just the way that we ordered. You know, someone once said, nearness is likeness. If a Christian is developing that foundational relationship with Christ and drawing near to Him, he will take on that likeness of Christ. Does our lives, do our lives, remind others of Christ? When people are in our presence, can they sense that the Lord's presence is active and real in us? I hope they can. It's not just from praying over a meal, even though Christians should do that. I mean, we go out to a restaurant or something, people should know that we're believers. The way that we talk about the Lord, the way that we talk to other people, to our fellow man, I hope that people are able to see that relationship with Christ. You know, consider the transformation of those who enlist in the military. I myself enlisted in the military when I was a young man. I knew that I needed to grow up, and it was good for me. You know, my father and my mother had taken me as far as they were going to take me. And I went to a place called Fort Leonard Wood, affectionately known as Fort Hole in the Woods. <laughs> I left in the month of January during a terrible snowstorm. And um, that first week was uh, a week where my, my older brother was leaving basic training as I was coming in. And so I had the great privilege of having him tell me, give me a piece of advice. And this is what he told me. He said, don't stick out. He said, they're going to shave your head, so you're going to look just like everybody else. He's like, don't stick out, because they will make an example out of you. And I was, I was hoping that the good Lord would show me grace and that nobody would notice me. And then the first week, my feet are wide, and I was starting to get blisters on my feet. And when they looked at my feet, they said, you can't wear the fatigue boots that everybody else was wearing, and I had to wear a pair of white tennis shoes. So in a company of 300 people, I was the only one in white tennis shoes. So much for not sticking out. 
And so they, they never called me Boojack in the military. They called me Bootrack and all the different other names that I can't say this morning. But uh, I had this one guy, Drill Sergeant Decker, just like the A-team. He'd call me over to the table. Every day he was there at Chow, he'd say, Bootrack, get over here. And so you weren't allowed to look the drill sergeants in the face. You couldn't look them in the eyeball because they, they, they'd say they had to defend themselves. So I'd come over with my, my plate and I'd look straight ahead and he, he'd always say the same thing every day. He'd say, you know, if you go to war, you're going to get shot in one of two places. He said, your feet or your head. Now get out of here. And so I went over and ate my chow, but the drill sergeants got the biggest kick out of that. And the, and the reason he was able to point me out was because I was wearing a different color pair of shoes every day. And so, no, but what, what happened in the military to me, you know, I, I struggled with some rebellion as a teenager. In fact, I thought my dad was the, a problem. I had an authoritarian father, a dad who wouldn't give me what I wanted, a dad who stood against me. I was a worthy adversary to him. You know, if, if your mother ever said, hey, I'm going to pray that you have children just like you, so you know what it was like, I, I think my mom was praying that prayer, because, I mean, that, that has happened to me, but, um, you know, I guess that's the reap what you sow principle. But um, I was a rebellious kid, and I, I had pointed my anger about life, as normal young males do, at other people and not myself. And when I went into the military... One thing that I learned very quickly was I personally had a problem with authority. I did not like to be told what to do. And I certainly didn't like to be told what to do at four in the morning. (laughs) And uh, there was a couple of times where it got pretty involved. But I I had a spirituality to me. I'd received the Lord prior to this. And I kind of knew my own humanity at the time when I went in, even though I was a young man. And uh, I snuck away on a Sunday and got to a phone. And I was able to call my dad. And I said, Dad, I want to let you know that I'm sorry for how I've behaved. I mean, I was truly a thorn in his side for a couple of years. And I wanted to let him know that I was extremely sorry for how I'd behaved. And I said, you know, you've been a good dad to me. And from that day forward, my dad's been nothing but my best friend. I mean, of all the shining lights in my life, my dad is a shining light. He's been there for me. But he knew the worst of me. And, but I can tell you this, when my mom and my dad showed up to basic training at our graduation, it was a big difference in me. Not just physically, but in two months' time, they had turned more of a man out of me than what they were ever able to produce. You know, that, that transformation that took place in my life from basic training is the same kind of transformation that will take place in the life of a Christian if you walk with the Lord. God doesn't save you to sit on your blessed assurance. God doesn't save you to stay the same. He will transform your life. He'll make you into something totally different. Totally different. To, To where by the time you get to the end of your life and you look back at where you started, there should be very few similarities. Because look what God did in my life. You can think of people in the scripture who are just like that. And so, if we spend time in the Lord and His Word, and with godly people, Christ's likeness will certainly be reflected in our lives. This is the promise of transformation. Now, the, I, I have a few more minutes this morning. You might see me occasionally looking at a clock. 
I am an ordered person. We serve a God of order. I believe that. That means if we're supposed to start at 11, I want to start at 11. And as a pastor, I am very understanding of the fact that people need some time in between Sunday school and church. So I am always going to be done at 1045 to give people 15 minutes to use the restroom before they come into the other service. Because if there's a bunch of people up and out and in and out and doing jumping jacks during service, you're going to hear me from the pulpit. You have a handshake chorus and 15 minutes in between Sunday school and church to handle all those things. Now, if you have an issue, I mean, trust me, people have issues and sometimes there are exceptions to the rule. But if every single service you have people getting up doing jumping jacks in the middle of service and every time their, their phone's going off, then they might have a problem, okay? Let's let the Lord have his way in the services. And so I just wanted to let you know where I stand on those things. I always want you to know what to expect. Sunday school will be over at 1045. Therefore, if you want a fellowship during that entire 15 minutes, I want you to just run everything you want and talk to your friends. Praise the Lord. So, God's purpose is the same for every Christian. To be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8.29 talks about this. That we were predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. You know, his predetermined plan for our life was that our experience in this process of transformation would be put into his likeness. We're supposed to, you know, reflect the character of God in our life. Now, our transformation is complete at the moment of our death or our return to Christ. This is when we get glorified. I was justified when I got saved. Justified never sinned. I, I've entered into a time in life when we're being sanctified, to set apart. Every day, that's a choice. Sanctification takes place. Progressive sanctification takes place throughout life. But praise God, there's coming a day when I get glorified, out of the very presence of sin. Won't have to deal with this old body anymore. Won't have to deal with my spirit anymore, the old man anymore. I'm going to be, you know, once I go on to be with heaven, the Bible says, so shall I ever be with the Lord. Never have to deal with that again. And so... This process of transformation is, is obviously completed when the Lord takes us on to glory. But this word apprehend means in Philippians chapter 3, where he says, If that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. This word means to seize or be taken. Paul is proclaiming in Philippians 3.12 that he is going after the goal of Christ's likeness, to seize on it, to work at it, to run after it. Now, the Christian life is not meant to be sat on the sidelines when you're watching other people run. You've got to run it yourself. Now, many people do that. You know, the critical. You know, they'll sit in the middle of the track and they'll watch everybody else running and tell them what you're, they're doing wrong. Well, look, at you fell. <laughs> you fell on the track. <laughs> There's always going to be people in this life that are like that. But I want to be on the track. I want to be in the arena. I want to be running for the Lord. I want God to get all the potential out of my life. I want Him to accomplish for my life what He wants to accomplish. That means I want to influence every person I can influence. I want to love my family to the very best of my ability. I want to live life, and when the Lord takes me home, I don't want there to be any question about where my flag was, about where my love was. And so we have to go after that. Now, there's been some days where... I wasn't running the way I should. If that's your story today, hey, get back on the track and 
you know, begin to live for the Lord the way you're, you're supposed to. Can continue on with the formation of faith. <clears throat> so how is this transforming process in your life? Is the likeness of Christ becoming increasingly evident in you? Have you ever thought about in your heart or in your life that there was a time when you thought you were right with God and then you look back at something you said or something you did and you're like, man, I thought I was right and I was so wrong. You ever, you know, have you seen, are you seeing God transform your life with Him? How is He working in your life during these days? Listen, your relationship with Christ, if you're a cognitive thinking person, you're either getting closer to the Lord or you're not. There is no middle ground. You can't stagnate and say, I'm getting close. No, you're, the Lord's, you know, you ever say, you're this far from the Lord. It wasn't the Lord who moved. It was you who moved. You know, remember that this transforming power in our lives is going to be seen. So the next point, point number three, is the fixation of will. Your fill-in is the word will. The fixation of will. From verses 13 and 14, we see Paul's overwhelming desire to finish his race strong. His will was fixed on that finish line. Now, I, I'm sure that some of you are no longer exercising the way that maybe one day you did. And that's the way life is too. You ever met somebody and they just tried to do it and they overdid it? You know, I do push-ups again, okay? I lost a lot of weight and I, when I started losing weight, I did, I did 10 push-ups at that time. Now I can do about 110 push-ups at once. And, you know, my body's getting older, okay? I, I tore a muscle in my back. Okay, can't do those anymore. So I, I could have chose this morning when I got out of bed, hit them push-ups and tore the muscle even more. God didn't make my body to last forever. It's not going to. But one thing is for sure that there is a, a breaking point where if you're not fixed on that prize, you're not going to finish the race. You're, you remember when you were running when you were in high school and you didn't think you could go that far and you felt that pain in your stomach? <laughs> And, but you looked at the, the, the finish line, and you finished strong. I heard a story once of a woman who was trapped in an overwhelming fog as she was trying to climb a mountain, and it had been snowing outside. And she was getting tired, more tired, and that fog had come upon that mountain, and she could not see that she was just feet from shelter, and she died about 100 feet in front of shelter. Maybe if she would have been able to see that shelter, she would have pushed on for another hundred feet. That's why, they, that's why they shine that light on that lighthouse across that water so that somebody can see where that light is so that they don't quit as they're trying to fight for shore. That's what a lighthouse, you know, was doing. It was showing people, hey, this is where safety is. This is where the shore is. Fight for the shore. You know, the fixation of will is important. You know, it's staggering how many Christians quit their race. They quit coming to church. They quit living for the Lord. They have a heartbreak. They have an issue that takes place in life. And it, it just, it's so hard for them to deal with it. And they don't respond to it with faith. Now, listen, don't throw stones at them. Because it could happen to you. We are, we are humans too. I heard a preacher one time say that wild horses couldn't drag him for ch- from church. And a couple years later, he had fallen into some great moral sins. And he wasn't going to church anymore. Remember, all of us are one step away from failing. However, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And we should want to finish our race strong. 
and you see people falling out, what we need to do is check ourselves and say, Lord, help me to finish our our race strong. Next week, we're going to finish this lesson and ask some more questions. I appreciate the young adults who are with us today and for everybody who has attended this morning. And we pray that the lesson has been a blessing to you. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, dismiss us with your grace. Help us, Lord, to have that kind of relationship with you where we know we're growing, that transforming power is at work in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you'd work in the service to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.